Good morning. How was your Thanksgiving? Did you have a good time? Have a good day? Yeah, it was good. Good, good, good. I love, you know, it's the fall. It's the fall, so it's an excuse to, you know, everyone can set their scales back by 10 pounds. And so it's that time of year to do that. Holidays just get weird to me. Thanksgiving is weird. Every year I just get weirded out by Thanksgiving. It's not my meal of choice. And so we always do something a little bit different. But Thanksgiving is just odd. I just think it's that one of those times where it's one day, maybe for some of you the weekend, maybe for some of you a week, where we just pound food, food that you don't eat normally any other time during the year. There's like 19 different ways to do potatoes. Some of you had all of them, all different potatoes. You don't know what to do after that. So you put sugar on top, marshmallows on top. There's just all this strange food that goes on. We have this thing called stuffing, or maybe it's dressing. I don't know if it's dressing or stuffing. I think it's just bread that's dressed up to stuff in your face. Nah, 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 nah. And if you're not happy with that, we just take gravy. Gravy goes over every, we just have this pile of food. And then somewhere next day or somewhere through the weekend, you take all that same food, stuff it between two more slices of bread and eat it as leftovers. We think that's fun and fine. Thanksgiving is just a little bit odd. I saw some of you walk in in sweatpants and I know why. I know exactly what's going on here. Some of you guys are kicked back. I think your belts are undone. It's just a weird weekend, but we're in fall and I think Halloween is weird too. It's the only time that we tell our kids, go up to complete strangers and beg. Take your bag, stick it in front of their face and say, look, trick or treat? I suggest the treat, the good stuff, and no one will get hurt. That's what we send our kids to go do. They beg for it. They manipulate. They, they con these people into giving that. And then we put a mask on them just so they don't know who they belong to. So we, we go, and then we come to Christmas. And I know what Christmas is all about, but Christmas is a little odd. It's where the outside comes inside. One of my favorite memes uh, during Christmas is the dog staring at the Christmas tree uh, with his head cocked. And the little meme says, I got in trouble last week for bringing in a stick. And here the tree is inside and I'm not allowed to do anything with the tree, but I, well, you know how, where that goes. Holidays are certainly weird. I think there are even more weird things that people say in church. Church people say weird things. They're so confident in what they're saying that they believe it to be in the Bible. The Bible says this. In fact, I'm going to have you fill in the blank and then you'll see what I'm talking about. The first is this, fill in the blank. Cleanliness is next to... Nope, not ever anywhere in the Bible, not mentioned. Those are OCD people that think that that verse belongs in the Bible somewhere and it's nowhere. How about this one? God works in, yeah, you may think so, but it's nowhere in the Bible does it say that God works in any mysterious way. God works the way he wants to work. It's not mysterious. How about this? When God shuts a door, he opens a Nope, nowhere in the Bible does it say that, mention that. You could think that all you want, but it's not there. How about this? Money is the root of all evil. No, it doesn't say that either. Go look it up. That's not what the verse says. How about this? God helps those who... We all know these cliches in the church and none of them are from the Bible. They don't fit. Here's one of my favorite, what we're gonna talk about today. Forgive and... Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. So we've just debunked all things that we think are in the Bible that are neat cliches for church people to say when they don't really exist. Now we're in this holiday season and during the holidays are times that we tend to think about relationships. We think about who was not sitting at your Thanksgiving table this year. What tension is caused with who or whom during this Christmas season? 
We begin to think about relationships because we think about family, we think about friends, we think about more often during the holiday season. And we begin to think about these stressed and strained relationships because there's been some hurt. Hurt has occurred and it kind of lives within all of us somewhere as we kind of just think about those people during this season. It's a fact of life that people hurt each other. Either intentionally or unintentionally, we hurt each other. You're gonna hurt people, they're going to hurt you. When hurt, with, when it comes to hurt, it is certainly difficult to just forget about it. To forgive them, oh, I forgave them, but I'm not gonna forgive. The Bible says forgive and forget. No, it doesn't say that. We need to tell ourselves or try to convince ourselves of something that's not true. So sometimes what we say is, you know what? I just don't care anymore. And that may not be true either. I think when we use a statement such as that, I just don't care anymore, we're lying to ourselves. It's a remedy that doesn't seem to work. And the fact is that you are saying it probably means that you really do care. How we handle hurt to a large degree determines our happiness in life. If you don't respond correctly to hurt, it turns into resentment. If you hold on to a hurt, it becomes resentment. If you hold on to a hurt long enough, it can escalate to hate. Resentment is a great destroyer of relationships. It destroys all kinds of relationships. Husband and wife, parent and child, friend to friend, relative to relative. And during this season, we think about that. When we begin to search our heart, we realize that there might be a seed or there might be a deep rooting of resentment and bitterness in our life. Well, here's three things that you should know about resentment. First of all, resentment is unreasonable. It doesn't make any sense. It's illogical. It's irrational. It's not worth the effort. If we go to the Bible, we go to the book of Job. Job chapter five says this, to worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish, senseless thing to do. So we know from the Bible that it's just illogical, it's irrational, it's senseless. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, it's foolish to harbor a grudge. It doesn't make sense. Why? Because you can't change the past. Whatever was said, whatever was done, you can't go back and change it. So to just live with the resentment, to live with the hurt, to allow it to become bitterness, hatred, anger, to allow it to fester in such a way becomes our responsibility and something we need to, we need to do about. So resentment is unreasonable. Secondly, resentment is unhelpful. When you get resentful, it always hurts you more than it does the person that you're resentful towards. Go back to Job. It says, you here tear yourselves apart in your anger. You tear yourselves to pieces. You work yourself up into a dither while you're stewing and spewing, ranting, raving, huffing and puffing. The other person's just going on with their life. Some of you are allowing people from your past, a former mate, a parent, a teacher, someone who made you miserable back then, continue to make you miserable now. Resentment will imprison you. Thirdly, resentment is unhealthy. Back to Job, it says, some men stay healthy till the day that they die. Others have no happiness at all. They live and die with bitter hearts. You can't be resentful and happy at the same time. If you're holding on to a grudge, you're only holding on to a hurt and it's unhealthy. People will say, watch what you eat, when in reality, it's more about what's eating at you that makes a bigger difference in your life. 
There's a strong relationship between your physical health and your spiritual health, your emotional makeup and your, your physical makeup. There's a relationship between sin and sickness. Now, I'm not saying all sickness is because of sin, because it's not. But a lot of the problems that you and I carry around, we bring on ourselves by holding on to grudges, hurts, pain, and that bitterness turns to resentment, and that resentment grows. Well, the good news this morning is that you can recover from all sorts of hurts in life. If you would just understand forgiveness better, not in cliche form, but understand forgiveness better and know that forgiveness is not associated with forgetting. Rather, forgiveness is more associated with remembering. So we're gonna to get to that in a little bit. But we need to understand the progression of what happens. Whenever there is relational conflict, there's usually a progression that occurs. Something causes us to draw a line and create a distance. That's how it, how it begins. We, we draw this line in the sand or someone else has drawn the line for us. There's a barrier that's, that's created. There's a, a, a drift that has occurred. Um, boundaries that have been pushed to their limits. And so we kind of draw this line and we set the foundation for what's to come next. So distance is what occurs first. Then, then we begin to, from there, build a wall. And the wall is built because we think we're going to protect ourselves. We're going to protect the family. We're going to protect everyone around us. And so we begin to put up this, this wall. When in reality, what we're starting to do more so is begin to isolate ourselves. We begin to, we think it's protective when really what we're doing is alienating. We're alienating the other person from ourselves or from those that we love and want to protect. So first we create the distance and then we begin to build this wall and then it starts to escalate. Before you know it, we're starting to add things to it. Well, you know what they did now? You know what they said? You know why they're not coming? You know why they haven't called? And so we begin to escalate the situation. We begin to make the, the issue bigger than it really is. And so it begins to come to a point of moving for, further to really false beliefs. Now we're starting to make things up. Well, you know what I heard? When you did this, when they did that, well, then this happened and then that happened. And all of a sudden the enemy gets involved at this point and begins to create these false pretenses of beliefs of what could have occurred. And we begin to believe them. We begin to live with them. We begin to then push the person away. And that's when we say, I just don't care anymore. I built the wall up so high now that I don't even want to be in touch with them. I don't care if they call, if they come. I, don't, I, I just don't care anymore. To the point that now there's hostility. And people know within the family the anger that's taking place and what's going on. They, they, they sense the, 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 the hostile environment. There's a toxicity that occurs. And now it's just getting brutal amongst people that at one time loved each other, but a line was drawn and then a wall was built and then it escalated. And then we just believed all kinds of false things and now we just get hostile and say, I just don't care anymore. Some of you might remember, I'm gonna date myself, when Ronald Reagan demanded that General Secretary Gorbachev regarding the Berlin Wall, he said, tear down this wall. It's a great moment in history. 
And I wish the same wall that we create in relationships could be done the same way. I wish a wrecking ball could just come in and wipe them out. For some of you, you are that type of personality where you say, let's just get everything on the table, get everybody in the same room and let's hash this out. That wouldn't work well on my family. My, my wife avoids conflict. If you even say the word, she's running the other way. She's just the ultimate peacemaker. And so sometimes the wrecking ball doesn't just come to tear the wall down in one piece. And so how do we do this? How, how do we at least deal with the wall? Well, I think scripture can help us. Scripture can give us a couple of ways to begin to let it go slowly. Now, I'm not talking frozen, let it go, let it go. No, I'm not talking that. There's a way to let it go. I'm gonna give you five ways to let it go. The first one comes from Ephesians 4, chapter 31. It says, get rid. And if you look at that verse, get rid of seems the right thing, that's the wrecking ball. Just get rid of it. But then it goes on with a list. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well of, as well as all types of evil behavior. Start in a process and begin to let it go. Get rid of it. I don't know if you've ever, you most likely have done this or you've seen someone do it. It's funny when you watch someone else do it. When they walk into a spider web, they're just walking along normal one day. And all of a sudden, as they're walking the spider web, they walk through it and they just, they just go into the spasm. And there's a spider web and you begin to take it off piece by piece, get it off your face. And we get rid of it a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. This is how we deal with this wall. We deal with it a little bit at a time. We get rid of little by little, step by step to the place where we can let it go. So we, did, we deconstruct the wall. There's, there's kind of five ways that we can do this. The first is this, you, you let go by not getting even because we love to get even. Well, you know what they did? They didn't call me on my birthday, so I'm not gonna call them on their birthday. They didn't invite us to Thanksgiving, so we're not gonna invite them to Thanksgiving. Why is it that we have to get even? We love to push back. When someone pushes on us, we wanna push back on them. But if we're gonna truly let it go, if we're gonna truly allow our relationship to be restored, the scripture tells us get rid of it piece by piece, brick by bit, brick by brick. Get rid of it in such a way that you choose not to get even. And so you just start there. Say, I'm not going to go with that tactic anymore. Just because they did it, I'm not going to push back. Just because they See, it's not about them, it's about you. So you take a step by saying, I'm gonna choose not to get even. You may have every right to get even, but forgiveness chooses not to. The second thing is we let it go by choosing not to keep score. The scriptures say this in 1 Corinthians, it talks about love relationship. It says, not that one. Should say love, there you go. Love keeps no record of when it's been wrong. Now, this is a accounting term. You know, you have columns, and we have all of our pluses and our negatives, all of our debt and our income. And, and that's what this talks about. It says love chooses to not keep record. Well, I remember back in 1990, I remember in 2010 when they, I remember that one Christmas where I remember, and we like to keep our columns of record, but love says, I'm not going to hold on to this grudge and allow it to control me and allow it to keep the wall up. We also can let it go 
by choosing no strings, no strings attached. I'm going to let it go. I am not going to get even. I am not going to keep score. And I'm not going to allow strings to be part of it. Because see, what we like to do is allow strings to be part of it because we say, I will forgive you when you. I will forgive you if you. And that is a string approach to it. That is not allowing ourselves to understand what mercy and grace is that comes from God alone. Look at the scripture, Romans chapter 11. It says, and if they are saved by God's kindness, this is us, this is pre-knowing Jesus. If they are saved by God's, God's kindness, then it's not by their good works. It wasn't your good works that saved you. It was nothing that you did. It was what God did. So they're saved by his kindness. It was his desire to be in a relationship. Because if it was by your good works, for in that case, not by his wonderful kindness, it would be what really is free and undeserved. See, if we, if we allowed it to be because of our good works, well, then we did something for it. But God said, no, this is free. It's undeserved. There are no strings attached. It comes with mercy and then grace. Grace is just mercy on steroids. Mercy says this, mercy is not giving someone what they do deserve. They deserve it, but I'm gonna to choose to hold it back. We tend to respond towards people the way we feel they deserve, especially if we've been treated wrong or unfair. So that's how we want to treat them. But mercy says, no, I'm gonna withhold that. Sometimes it might be warranted, but in love, in love relationships, mercy chooses to let go of justice. I have every right, but mercy says, I'm gonna let that go. Jesus paid the price for what we deserved. We deserved eternal death, but he took it away. And then you have this thing called grace. Grace, again, mercy on steroids. Grace is giving someone something that they don't deserve. I'm gonna give this, but you don't deserve it. It goes beyond mercy. Mercy chooses to forgive. They deserve justice, but rather you choose forgiveness. That's grace in action. You choose to show kindness. You give them something they don't even deserve. You say, this doesn't even make sense. Do you know what they did to me? They don't deserve anything. All right, I'll forgive them. But no, I'm not forgetting that easy. I'm going to give them a taste of their own medicine. Not in the Bible either. You see, Jesus took away death, that's mercy, and he gave eternal life, that's grace. Grace is unconditional. Grace is free and undeserved. There are no strings attached. If God wanted us to offer more for our sins than what Jesus already did, that's conditional and does not include grace. So do you include strings with your forgiveness? Oh, I'll forgive them when they. We'll let them come if they. God says, no, it's not the way that it works. We learn to let it go by taking steps. We also let it go by changing our behavior. Look at, we go back to Ephesians chapter four. It says, instead, instead, at first it said, get rid of all these things. And now instead, change your behavior. Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. You say, wow, this is extreme. It'd be easier just to forgive and forget. It'd be easier just to not forgive and just let it all happen. Just move on with your day. But no, the Bible tells us something different. You let it go. You begin to take the wall down by changing your own behavior. And you act towards someone with kindness and compassion. Why let them? 
win in their way that they're treating you or in the thing that they said. Rather, you can choose to replace it with kindness and compassion and watch what God does. You say, well, this will never be restored to what it was. How do you know? God is still in the restoration business. I don't know if you've ever been to an old car show. Those that restore old cars, sometimes they can restore them better than they were originally. And that's what God does. God can restore a relationship to a place better than even it was. God can do that because there's a power that exists. We'll talk about it in just a moment. The fifth thing is when we choose not to forget. We can begin to let it go and choose not to forget. You say, wait a minute, I really do think it's in the Bible somewhere. I think it's a proverb. It's supposed to forgive and forget. No, it's a pipe dream. It's never seen in scripture except by God alone. God can forget. He doesn't have amnesia, but he chooses to. He can forget our sin and never remember it anymore. But when something has been done to us, when a hurt has occurred, he didn't give us the capacity in which to forget. And so with that, we choose to let go of it. We choose not to forget. You may have heard it said, I may forgive them, but I will never forget. That's just packed with bitterness. You could say, like I said earlier, I just don't care anymore. That's easier. I know, but that just has a root of bitterness. You probably do care. What we're probably better off to do is to forgive and remember. Remember what? What is it that we're to remember? What if we chose to remember what was done for us rather than to us. Look at Ephesians chapter two. It says, remember in those days when you were living apart from Christ. This was before you became a Christian, before you became a believer. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far from God, but now you've been brought near. You've been brought near to him because of what? The blood of Christ. And so what if we could focus on what was done for us rather than to us? Because Jesus was not even the offending party. And yet he stepped in to handle something through forgiveness to restore a relationship with God that we would have with him through eternity. The verse continues, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body at the cross, he broke down, listen, the wall of hostility that separated us. Jesus, by what he chose to do, broke down the wall of hostility. He took that wall and with a wrecking ball, just tore it down. He said, you know what? There needs to be a relationship between them and you, my father. And the only way to do that is for me to go to the cross. Look at Ephesians 4.32. We've been looking at this verse over and over. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving, forgiving one another. And then two simple words, just as, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Just as. You see, we don't forgive another person because they deserve it. We forgive because we've been forgiven. From what he did on the cross, there is power for you and me in which to forgive others. 
Even in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus cried out to his father, if there was any other way, could we come up with that now? Jesus facing the cross to bring about forgiveness once and for all for you and for me. And Jesus says, can we do it another way? And then Jesus comes to the conclusion, not my will, but yours be done. See, when it comes to forgiveness, you could say, isn't there another way to do this? There's gotta be another way. I've done it time and time and time again. There's gotta be another way. But could you come to the same conclusion, not your will, but his will be done. See, what if we could forgive and remember what was done for us rather than to us? Would that change the game? There's an old hymn that we sing, Jesus paid it all to him. I owe it all. So when you say, I can't forgive, I can't forgive, you don't know what was done, you don't know the circumstances, you don't know the situation, just know that you will never have to forgive anyone more than you and I have already been forgiven. God knows and understands. He paid the ultimate price. He gave up his son for you and me. And so forgive and remember, remember what? Remember what was done for you rather than to you. And then remember to go first. What we like to do is rather than step into forgiveness, we just want to bring other people along. You know what mom said? You know what she did? You know what they did? And I, and I want to bring them along with me. So we can go as an army. We're going to go in this together. We each have a little part of the resentment that is there. A couple months ago, we did a study in the Sermon on the Mount where all the word blessed is used. Blessed are, blessed are those. Happier those. If you want to experience internal, internal joy, if you want to restore happiness again, look at this one. It says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. These are the people who step out first. These two are people who understand that when I say I don't care anymore, just by the mere fact of me saying it, I really do care. These are people who say, I don't feel like it because you don't know what was said or done. It was bad, Ron. And you know what? I, I, if you told me, I'm, I'm a joiner. I'd probably agree with you saying, gosh, I, I hate them too. Let's go get them. But when we remember what was done for us rather than to us, and when we take the first step, we take it away from other people. We don't allow them to carry our resentment and bitterness. We just take the first step towards the person who has offended, the person who has hurt. And we take the first step towards them because God took the first step for you and for me. And then we remember to repeat it over and over and over again. Why? Because what we don't realize is that we've been forgiven for way more than we could ever realize. Look at Matthew chapter 18. Even Peter must have had something done to him because he was trying to figure out this whole forgiveness thing. 
So Peter came to him and asked him, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who has sinned against me? Like seven times? I mean, my gosh, how many times do I got to keep going back? Oh, Jesus says, Peter, 70 times seven. You don't know yet, but you're going to know soon what's going to happen on that cross. It'll cost me my life. What's it going to cost you? Your pride? What's it going to cost you? Time? What's it going to cost you? A little bit of uncomfortableness? I gave my life for you. So no, not seven. Seven times 70. Now, God's not doing a math situation here. 490 times. The 491st, that's it. Cut them loose. No. You forgive over and over and over again because you've been bothered that I have this box under my arm for as long as I have. I took it away from them because I'm no longer spreading it. I got to deal with the one thing I'm holding on to because maybe it's no longer a line, a wall, hostility, but it's one little piece that we're holding on to that we're not willing to let go. How often do you forgive until you can finally let it go? Let it go. Someone has done you wrong. Someone has hurt you. There has been pain that has gone on for days, weeks, months, years. What if you canceled their debt today? You're not going to wait for payment. You're not going to wait for repayment. You're not going to wait for someone to do something by holding something over their head, but rather because of what God has done for me, I am going to choose to let it go. It's going to take time. It's progress. It took you long to build the wall. It may take you long to deconstruct the wall. But we do it piece by piece because of what he's done for us. We go first. Take the first step. Don't wait for something to happen. And I know it's easy to say, but I've done it over and over and over. I know. And Jesus says, keep doing it. It'll never measure up to what God did for you. He let my life be given for you. So today, if you want to receive the peace, the freedom that comes from deconstructing that wall, today is your day to say, I'm going to take the first step. I'm going to do it again. And I'll do it again and again and again because I understand what was done for me, not to me. It's not because of them. It's because of what my heavenly father did for me. They may not respond. They may not react. They may not appreciate anything that you do. But if you want to receive the peace and the freedom that only God provides, then it's important that we take that step. And so, Father, this morning, God, we come before you knowing in this holiday season, there's someone who is not at that table. There's someone that we are not going to speak to this season because of what they've done and what they've said. Walls that have been built. Hostility that has occurred. God, allow us to know that today we can forgive. Forgiveness gives us peace and freedom. Tearing down the wall allows us to be in a place where we remember what you did. We take responsibility and take the first step. We do it over and over and over again in spite of how the other person responds or reacts. We do it because of who we are before you and what you have done for us. So God, to that end, we pray today 
We sing, we lift our voices, knowing that freedom is ours because of the walls that you've torn down. We love you. We thank you for loving us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. We're gonna close with a song.